You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. Hey, everyone. My name is Rob Hicks with Brand Matters, and we've got a special episode today of Brand Matters, uh, something that's pretty big in the media, which is the Kevin Plank, Under Armour, Trump, Kevin, or Stefan Curry, The Rock, big episode. So I'll be on camera today. Uh, my co-host, Vincenzo, hopefully will be hopping in uh, to the call from his car. He's on his way from, uh, from Ohio to Connecticut now with Amy. But I've got two amazing guests with me today. We've got uh, Savannah Peterson and Antigone um, Payton, who I work with at Cloudology Law. Uh, Antigone is an intellectual property attorney here in the Washington, D.C. area. And Savannah is going to be joining us from San Francisco. So I'll bring in uh, Savannah to say hi. Hey, Savannah, how are you? Hello, Rob. Thank you so much for having me as always. It's always a treat to talk about brand with you here on the show today. And I'm so glad we were able to make this happen as we were both so passionate about it. So yes. welcome everyone from my channels as well, watching online. Thank you for being a part of this special edition. Let's start caring about Friday's uh, Brand Matters show. Right. Uh, so Samantha Collier is uh, here. Um, if you guys are in the chat, uh, I can't see you unless you make a comment, so please do. Um, let me also welcome uh, Antigone Payton. So Antigone, how are you? I'm well, Rob. How are you? Thanks for I'm having doing good. me. So there is a specific reason uh, th that I had you on, and that is um, you and I have been doing live stream shows to your Facebook page uh, and YouTube, page, YouTube and Facebook page for about three or four months now with the concept of everyday intellectual property or everyday IP uh, topics. That's uh, right. And, you know, where I thought you were very, very applicable in today's conversation is this kind of interesting dilemma or notion of the media, whether it's the press or social media in general, kind of attacking or group attacking a brand based on the CEO's opinion of something. Yes, and so in my world, I'm dealing with the legal side of brand protection. And it's really interesting because brands care about the value and the goodwill associated with that brand. Mm -hmm. And so when these high profile issues blow up in the media and we start to see trending hashtags that are anti or pro brand, we realize that there's something that has happened that's significant and it's mm -hmm. affecting the brand, which can affect licensing and endorsements and overall the value of the brand, which ultimately can affect the bottom line in the company. That's right. So I guess before we get too ahead of ourselves, let me bring some context to what today's discussion is going to be about. So it, this is definitely not going to be picking winners or losers or political sides. It's really a narrow discussion about the phenomenon of um, of news and social media being able to hijack a conversation. So when we use the term journalistic terrorism, disarming the media warfare, what we want to kind of look at is what happened over the last 48 hours. And when we deconstruct it all the way from the beginning of the interview, where this whole story started, all the way to how it manifests itself to a hashtag boycott UA outcome, it's kind of fascinating, because I'm hopeful that this is not the new norm. Um, 
for those of you that haven't been paying too much attention, there was an interview that Kevin Plank had done on CNBC earlier this week, and he was asked about his opinions on a specific meeting that it had occurred several weeks back uh, between him, fellow or other executives, CEOs, and Trump. And the question the reporter asked was, Kevin, what are your thoughts on this meeting? And he replied saying, Kevin Plank responded saying, here, let me bring the quote up so that you guys can see it and I don't misquote him. Uh, where did I put the quote? Oh yeah, it's actually it's right here. It said, he said, I think it's highly passionate uh, to have such a pro, wait, no, no, I said that wrong. I think he's highly passionate. Um, to have such a pro-business president is something that is a real asset for the country. People can really grab that opportunity. So that's what he said. Um, and somehow that this kind of got picked up by the media. And like I said, the now, the big thing now is, is a bunch of people are revolting saying, we're not going to buy Under Armour stuff anymore. And so that's what this discussion is about, is not necessarily choosing the politics. It's focused on how the media has that and what are the consequences of being able to take take messages from CEOs um, and whether they're right or wrong. So in any event, uh, Savannah, you want to hop in and, and opine? Yeah, I think I think this is very interesting. Your, your video is so having this dialogue today because the, the question to me fundamentally comes down to are we doing enough homework when we start throwing folks under the bus? And as you know, I'm the first person to own exactly what I am. I'm a West Coast liberal. There's no denying that. And I'm not here to hide that either. But that said, I'm the first person to admit our faults as an entity and as a stereotype. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think that we both really agreed on with this that I find super disappointing is this feels a bit exaggerated. And I know I'll take flack from my side for even saying that. Um, but the reality is any company, soft goods, hardware, or software right now really in America should be working with whatever the administration is going to look like. And if it's not our preferred... Okay, so, so, so pause on that because I, I want you to articulate what you just said. So you're CEO of a company and you hate the current administration. You, what yeah. you're saying is, is that it doesn't matter how you feel about it. You as a business still have to recognize that that's the new reality for four years. Regardless of who the president is, that's the cycle, right? So if I heard yeah. you correctly, what you're saying is, is that it doesn't matter who the president is, it's always to the advantage of a CEO of a company to engage with the president if you've got that access, regardless of whether you hate him or love him. 100%, the president is essentially the CEO of America. So if you're not aligning yourself as a business with the people in power that, that legitimately create and, and champion legislation that could very much affect your manufacturing agreements, your distribution agreements, everything that you're doing uh, as an enterprise, quite frankly. I mean, it, it makes sense. Every business person should be working with any administration to, to create the most fluid relationship. We, I, I, I think we all advocate here for capitalism, and I think we're all about the free market. And that's something Well, that so, we so do we. I don't know if, if all of us do. I mean, I admittedly do. But I, but I think I do. I mean, yes, I, yeah. I you only have to look at the television uh, to watch some of these protests to recognize that that's that, that oh, you can't yeah. quite say that. <laughs> I should say when 
I say all of us, I mean this broadcast. I don't. Right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm certainly not speaking for the entire world. And for the record, I'm never speaking for the entire world. That was just way too much pressure. Um, right. But, but I think that I, I, I just, I, I think there's two things that are really important to acknowledge here. And one is that Under Armour was looking to align with the administration. They were at a meeting that a lot of other people were at. Uh, mm-hmm. Being flamethrown just for attending that meeting, I think is a little extreme. On uh, So that said, I do think there's been a bit of an explosion here. But on the flip side, I think Under Armour made a very critical mistake that has led to this avalanche. And that was they didn't make it very clear very early on what their views were towards some of the, the very controversial issues that actually do affect some of their athletes and some of the folks that they're sponsored by. And they took too long, in my opinion, hmm. to make a statement to clear this up. They let it lie. They let Steph kind of run with it. They've let the media run with it. And we find ourselves now in talking about it. They, uh, well, they- so, but you, you bring up an interesting point is, is that you said that they didn't message it. So in saying that, that's almost, that, that's almost now giving all companies the responsibility to state their political opinions uh, in advance. Like, okay... Uh, so here's the new president. So we need each CEO to, to write a quick dissertation about how they think think about that because because the, they owe that to the public. When number one, they don't owe it to the public, uh, and, and two, you know they're committing they're committing suicide by fifty percent when they do that, right? Because you're always are going to be when you get into politics, you're guaranteed to piss off half of your customers. At least, frankly, uh, right. No, to, to your point, I don't think that every CEO needs to have a, pres- a personal opinion on the president in, in that regard. I do think that every company needs to define its values in a way so that when the line is tested, in the same way that lines are tested for us as individual voters, as, as you and I are both business owners, and then even if we were bigger brands like that, you need to know where the line is for you. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, that can be anything, but no one should be censored. I think we're all really big First Amendment advocates here in this broadcast. Uh, and I think that, that that's where this really comes in. If, if you want to step up to the plate, if you want to play the game, if you want a news jack and you want to have a, a stake in, in politics or even be speaking about the administration, frankly, I don't think he was intentionally doing it. I understand he's sitting on a broadcast talking to a journalist and responding to a question. But that said, I mean, he threw in a few sentences all by himself. It wasn't it wasn't just a, a complete framework. He willingly discussed his support of the president and the administration. Mm, so you, I, but but that but that's where I disagree with you is, again, I'm going to bring up the quote again, because I, I think it's important to understand the context. And this is where I'm I'm fearful and yeah, why I want to do this is the reporter had asked had, had framed the question to Kevin Plank before he answered it. And he said, you know, you met you and a felt and a bunch of CEOs met with President Trump a few weeks back. And what are what are your impressions of the president based on that meeting? That's what he said, based on that meeting. So he basically was asking Kevin Plank to give his impression of what he thought about Trump in the context of a CEO related meeting. And so he opined with, I think he's highly passionate. Well, you and I talked about this earlier. It's like you can love somebody or hate somebody, but I think in saying they're passionate, that just means that they fervently believe in something, right? So that's kind of a neutral statement. Um, yeah. But the second, the second sentence or the second statement that Plank made is is what 
went viral, and that was um, to have such a pro-business president is something that is a real asset for the country. People can really grab that opportunity. To me, that, that's kind of an innocuous statement. He, he, he didn't say, I'm a huge Trump fan. I support everything about him. What he said was, to have a pro-business president is an asset. So the opposite of that is what? I mean, would, would, would the left have loved him if he said, you know, to have an anti-business president is such an asset, and that would have made him the darling of the left? That, that doesn't make sense. So I guess where I'm confused, and I would love to, to hear your and Antigone's thoughts on how did that innocuous statement get spun to the hashtag boycott UA outcome? Yeah. I think that's I think that's an excellent question. And I just so since we're in the spirit of reading the entire quote, there's more to it than just those two sentences. So Plank then followed up with he loved quote, he loves to build. I don't think there's any surprises here. When you look at the president, he wants to build things. He wants to build things. He wants to make bold decisions and be really decisive. I'm a big fan of people that operate in the world of publish versus and iterate versus think, 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 think. So there's a lot that I respect there. I think that's an important, and it's important to include because yes, to your point, the initial question was spawned based on his impression of interacting with President Trump in that particular meeting. However, he went on to talk about the president as, as an individual and as a businessman beyond just that particular encounter. If you're talking about he likes to build things, well, that's obviously looking at historically what has Donald Trump done. President right. So let's bring in Antigone to, uh, to hear her thoughts. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that we're spending so much time looking at the original language and trying to go from there to our, our boycott on that's trending on Twitter, right? That original language to me, as somebody who frankly is in the same camp as Savannah with my political leanings, I don't see that particular uh, language as problematic. And remember, he's a CEO of a, a company that was started about 21 years ago, and he he's the founder, right? He built it in his house, and now they're talking about creating a huge uh, campus in Baltimore, you know, a, a, over a billion-dollar project, right? And so when he's talking about an infrastructure president, like Trump, and he's talking about uh, double-digit growth for a period of time. You know, he's acting like a CEO should act and thinking about things that a CEO should think about when he's having these discussions. Yes, a pro-business president that is talking about deep tax cuts for businesses, maybe down to 20%, that's going to be a significant difference. And so, yes, his job is to embrace the plate that he's been given and decide what he wants to eat on that plate and what he's going to find delicious. And so I, I found it interesting to see how we went from that language to the other reporters discussing this and selecting language out of there in a way that created this urban myth, which then became fact. And so I think some of the other news coverage here has not been consistent with the ori original message as it was delivered. But let's face it, no matter who created that brand problem, it is a brand problem. And so let's go back to Savannah's uh, point about the values of the company, right? 
they have very specific values and that's how they built their business. That's how they developed their brand ambassadors. And that's how they became the company they are today. And there's a reason why there are people who are in the emergency PR business, right? So when brand issues like this blow up, they need to think about how to contain it early and deal with crisis management when it comes to the brand. And, and I agree with Savannah. I don't think they got in front of this and helped articulate how what he was saying in the context in which he was saying it does not differ from their brand values that all of us know and, and like when we go and purchase their products. Yeah, I think... I think there's, and I'm so glad that, that we're talking about this because I think this is the takeaway for any brands watching today and listening to this is, is define this so that you don't have to have this moment because in our, in our jolt media environment, you don't have two days to sit down and write down a statement. You essentially have to be prepared for this. And, and as a professional communicator and someone who works with clients, we have crisis statements we make up for things that never happened that have never happened. But in the event that they did happen, we're ready in 10 minutes versus 10 hours or two days. And, and Under Armour really could have, could have benefited from that. And it's, it's a shame because I, and I want to bring up just kind of a, a one of my data points for this, for the example on the other side here of a brand, of, a, of an athletic brand that threw their name in the ring today was a Reebok this morning released a new t-shirt that says, quote, nevertheless, she obviously in reference to the Elizabeth Warren statement uh, in Congress. And it's, uh, it's actually pretty incredible because they're donating, the shirt is $20. They're donating all of the $20 to the Women's March, 100% for charity move. And uh, one of the things that I found most compelling about this and most relevant to the discussion is the quote from their senior director of brand management, Inga Stenta, is the decision to support this movement was an easy one. No one should be silenced. As a woman's first brand, we stand behind the Women's March and we have the resources and platform to contribute in a meaningful way. That's pretty impressive. There aren't a lot of brands, I think, that have done a great job of supporting this awareness and new movement we have happening, especially in the females of America. And I think what's cool about this is that senior brand director, she's not the CEO, she's not the, the person calling every single shot, but it was it was fluid for her to make statements like this, to to champion this t-shirt through the administration or through the bureaucracy at Reebok and get it out, you know, within a week of of this statement being made, actually less than that, and and feel she could do that with confidence. And and it's so great when when I look at that, like that's the example companies should be following right now is it was easy to make a decision because these are our priorities and our values and this is why we did it. And frankly, if people want to boycott someone after they hear an explanation like that, that's totally your prerogative. There's been some examples of very educated boycotts in American history. And I think that right now um, I'm a little disappointed with some of my, my cronies on the liberal media side because we're picking the wrong fight way too early on and, and we're exaggerating things. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Rob, what do you think in general as far as as values go, and I know we kind of differ on this a little bit, should companies have their values predefined to, to in the event of a political statement, or do you think it's not something they should have to be bothered with? 
So, well, so before we do that, I, I do want to say hi to everyone who's in the chat. So that Samantha Collier is here. Uh, Nancy is in the chat. Jeff Adams. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Renee and uh, Candy and Nazim. Nazim is uh, from Italy. Candy is in Japan. So uh, th thank you guys very much for, for hopping in. Um, so I, I don't think that companies just, I mean, since the Supreme Court has ruled that companies are individuals, then the same rules apply. Is it you? Do I, as an individual or as an individual brand, i.e., like an athlete or a celebrity, do I owe it to my fans to state my political beliefs, my sexual preferences, my religious beliefs, a, a bio on my yes nos? And I say the answer is no. Right. Big brands and big data, they definitely want that because. Big brands are looking for, are looking at the world through an algorithm, right? And those algorithms need to chip, pick either a zero or a one. You're either for something or you're against it, and that the algorithms are what make things simple to contain the world. But they're a huge nightmare for actual people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of going to be the big consequence of our time. And Vincenzo and I, who hop, just hopped in, what's up, V? Um, hey, what's I, I think is going to be. Hey, buddy. That's going to be the big consequence of our day. It's kind of like live streaming. We've got this huge gift where, you know, we can look and have this conversation exactly like CNBC and Kevin Plank had it yesterday. And you know what? We don't need a million dollar studio to do it. You and I and Antigone and Vincenzo can hang out with Nazim and Sam and Allison and everybody else and have this conversation independent of the news they're less relevant now right so we can create community-based conversations where there's context and that's really the big thing the consequence though is is that we've got this great new freedom but we're also technologically working in an algorithmically delivered world so even though we've got this capability the algorithms can make us non-existent technologically yeah. interesting dilemma <coughs> so um, no, I don't believe that that people or brands should be should have to write a a, uh, a statement as to what their beliefs. It's none of their business. I mean, in the context, yeah, I just don't think I don't. I, and the reason I think it's none of anybody's business is because it sets up traps exactly like we've seen with what happened with Under Armour. The, the reporter, it was almost like the reporter put out a mousetrap and, and made it so that there's no possible way that Kevin Plank could have won that argument because he asked a question but added a caveat. And the caveat being is based on that meeting, right? What, did you, what were your impressions of Trump based on this meeting? And so he answered saying, you know, that I value a president that is pro-business. How could you argue against that statement? To your point, Kevin's a big boy. He could have known exactly how this is going to go. And a good crisis communications professional would have coached him in the event that you get a question about this meeting with Trump. You're ready for it. I you don't know. I, I, that was so I just think that that was what. Well, so how do you. Yeah. But 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 so then think of the consequences that is, is that now we have to live in a world where our conversations and free speech are based on living in on eggshells. And so, well, what's that? Can you guys hear me okay? I just want to make sure you guys can hear me okay. Yeah, we can hear you. Um, so I'm on the fence about it, right? I, I, I like Savannah's point where she's saying that Kevin Plank's a big boy. Absolutely. Um, 
and, and I, I also, in talking to Rob about this, for you know, we, we talked at length about this. Um, he's in a he's in a no win situation, but it also begs the question or brings up the question: Should brands even open their mouths at all? Which goes back to the question we had, you know, conversation we had last week: Should anybody comment at all? So if if Under Armour was my client. And they said, what do we do? How do we answer these questions? I would say right now in the current climate that we are in, just keep your mouth shut. It's not even worth if unless you are on the other side, the the, the, the left leaning side, then keep your mouth shut. And why am I saying that? Do I agree with that? No, because everyone should have a voice. Savannah sent over a, an article with Reebok supporting Elizabeth Warren and uh, uh, she shouldn't be silent and whatnot. And the reason why they said nobody should be silent. Okay. Meanwhile, if that was a pro right argument, you would say, Oh, shut up. You shouldn't be talking about that. But right now, the way the media is reacting, the way the media is jumping all over these brands that are in any way supporting this administration or appearing to support this administration, I would say, listen, you need to just keep your mouth shut. And hmm. it, it, it pains me to say that, right? And, it, and I'm sure it pains many Americans that are like, well, First Amendment and freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of this. But unfortunately, this is what you're dealing with. So as a brand, do you just shut your mouth or do you go down, do you try to walk the fine line? And, you know, unfortunately, Rob, no one's listening to, and I say no one, the people of this show are clearly listening, but mainstream media, the mainstream agenda is not listening to the full storyline, right? They're not listening, and they don't care. All they are harping on is, do you support Trump? Regardless of in this conversation, regardless of what context brings, no one's paying attention to context because they don't want to. And I, I know you guys can't see me making motions with my, my hands. We, no we can now. There you are. <laughs> No one's allowing it to penetrate, and they're just they're they're harping on the first thing they hear, and, and that's it. So, and it goes both ways. It goes both ways, but it's a very it's a very very tricky, icky, hockey situation at the moment. Um, and, and and you know, I'd love to hear what you guys think. I'd, I'd love to know what I can't read anyone's comments, but I'll check them later. Uh, I'd love to know what you guys think. Uh, do you think you were if it was your client, would you tell them to shut up? Or would you say, you know what, be true, this is America, go for it, and then deal with it later? You All right, so, hold on, so, so, so I don't know if you're able to see this or not, but I do want to share this headline for from <clears throat> Investor Place. And this is exactly what, this is the advice that was given wow. exactly along the lines of what you said. So the headline is, should Under Armour Incorporated CEO uh, Kevin Plank, step aside. The founder's due date is fast approaching. And this yeah, guy, he, he's from Canada. Has Well, no, 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 but hold on. But what's interesting is is that the, the reporter, Will Ashworth, basically frames this as, as the total trap. So he throws out the rhetorical question of, oh, well, should Under Armour step aside uh, because of a misstep? Now, what he does is 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 he he makes the statement like um, it, it was a misstep, but maybe it wasn't a misstep. The, the, I guess the point is is he, he, the final conclusion he has is let me show this quote is this bottom line 
Granted, Plank is only 44, while Knight, who uh, is at Nike, was 66 when he became chairman in 2004. But it would make sense for Under Armour to bring in someone who's more experienced at direct-to-consumer retail, leaving Plank to think of the bigger picture. And here's the final thought. And hopefully to speak less. In other words, and hopefully to keep his mouth shut. That, to me, is like crazy. And, and this is definitely something that I want Antigone to talk about because, you know, legally there's free speech but this is basically silence through the the th- through likes hearts and and angry faces right yeah i think we need to be careful about uh talking about brands being quiet right because this is part of the agenda that we're seeing on multiple sides where people start talking about brands and about companies and taking positions and threatening them and that that chills speech and that's a first amendment problem we we don't want to be chilling speech right so in a sense the news reporters are doing what trump himself is doing they're they're engaging in a little bit of bullying and they're creating a storyline that I don't really think was there in the context of the original discussion he was right. having about Q4 returns in 2016. And this was all in the context of a business discussion where he was talking about growth and policies and the fact that 80%, 85% of their market was a North American market. So... I actually look at his comments in context and they don't bother me at all. If I just read his comments in the context of the way the the other news organizations picked it up and described what he said and the way that it's trending on social media, I would be very bothered. So let's talk about fake news for a second. Is this now becoming legendary fake news? The way that we're talking about what he said and how he did it, are we going to the world of fake news and are we all part of the problem? I think we need to all be part of the solution. And so I don't, you know, I I think brands should be careful when they're talking about things that affect their customers, whether they're B2B companies or B2C companies. Um, Because, you know, as, as, everybody sort of knows there are people you're going to upset when you talk about politics in our very polarized society. But we also need to let CEOs have conversations about what they expect from a business perspective with a new administration and not impute that to a brand unless they step over the line. And so different people are going to feel differently about whether he stepped over the line I don't feel that he stepped over the line with his original discussion. And again, if I just focused on social media and the way that other parties reported it, I might think differently. And so we've just got to be really careful as, as brand owners, as people who are dealing with brands and as brand ambassadors, right? So to the point about Nike um, and their press release, I mean, they had a very specific view about how they were going to act as a brand ambassador that was very consistent with the brand. So my, my criticism, I guess, of Kevin Plank, if you can call it that, is he was not talking in a brand ambassador context, or at least uh, that's the way he perceived it when he was having this discussion about earnings. 
But in fact, everybody is a brand ambassador, no matter what they do, no matter where they go when they're talking about the brand. And we always have to keep that in mind. Absolutely. And I think, I think we really agree on that. That was my somewhat cheeky point that, that Kevin's a big boy is you should know you're walking into CNN or you're walking into CNBC, you're walking into a live broadcast. There's the potential that you're going to get hit with a political question. And, and kind of to our earlier point, Rob, like, I don't necessarily think companies should have these publicly posted. I don't think it's my right as a consumer to know the political and sexual and personal values of every single executive. But on the flip side, there should be internal documentation that says, this is how we stand. This is how we prioritize certain things. These are, you know, this is essentially our mission statement, our, our fundamental values. And, and that's what you saw the, the um, celebrities speaking out against really was hold on. I am an immigrant. I am a minority. I am, you know, whatever this is. And you haven't said anything to defend me. And now you're saying you think the president is an asset. So again, I totally agree with you. His statement isn't offensive in context at all, in in my personal opinion. Uh, However, it was the lack of supportive context to other questions about things. If you're going to, you know, once you step into the political arena, it's important to, to have some bounds with that. And, and if you're going to make a, essentially a standalone statement, have something to support that. I mean, their statement this morning says, oh, we do not support the immigration ban. Well, that's nice. That's a week old news. You know, Ford Motor Company had a statement out saying this doesn't agree with our values, you know, eight days ago. And so I think, you know, it's, his, his, he should be able to say whatever he wants. He should be entitled to have an opinion. Steph Curry should also be entitled to have an opinion very much. So, but you, you have to understand when you're talking about a man with the lowest approval rating of any elected official in this country ever in history, there is a risk of ramification. If you say something positive about him, especially from the very vocal internet, which tends to be a little bit more left-leaning. So preparation. Savannah, that's a that's a great point. Uh, one of the things that brought to my mind is the fact that when the Ninth Circuit was dealing with this executive order on the ban, there were a number of tech companies as well as high-level former administration officials who wrote a brief to the court and said that they could not support it. It was against our morals and and who you know who we were as a country. And they were obviously very vocal about how they felt uh, about that particular executive order. So, so Rob, going back to your question about whether companies need to start describing their views on um, on particular social issues and immigration issues and things of that nature. Maybe we are in a world where from a practical point of view, that is part of the brand message or they're being forced to make that part of the Mm. brand message to take a position on these highly polarizing issues, uh, even outside of a lawsuit context, right? So remember the Hobby Lobby case where we had a, a... a particular company with a lot of retail stores who took a particular position on their own moral views and how it affected whether they provided contraceptives to their workers at, at any of their retail stores. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just I think it's just dangerous uh, with with the kind of stuff that we're playing, where we basically have to have this truth serum delivered both as an individual and as a brand 
Um, I do, uh, but before we keep going, I, I do want to say hi to Haley. She said, I'm on the side of keep your mouth shut as a brand. People right now are too edgy, passionate, if you want to call it that, uh, no matter what you say. Mitch Jackson, um, hey Mitch, how you doing? Says, uh, great conversation, respectfully, and regardless of the company, I believe that there are consequences uh, to who you or your company supports and associates with. It's always been that way, but today with social media, uh, with today uh, it's simply amplified on a much greater level. I'd embrace the the new dynamic and use it as an asset rather than look at it as a liability. So, lawyer to lawyer, what what are your thoughts on what Mitch said? So it's funny that he said that because there are companies that are publicly held and privately held that have taken very controversial positions, right? They've made this decision that they're going to speak about their brand and their values, and they've alienated quite a few people by doing that. So that is a choice they can always make. What's interesting is when it's a public company and you have shareholders that you're responsible to, uh, what is your responsibility to your shareholders? If, if the C-suite has a particular political leaning or a, a view of a, a particularly divisive issue and they publicly state that leaning, what does that do to their shareholders? And are they acting in the best interest of their shareholders? So there are some legal consequences that can happen as a result of opening your mouth and telling people how you feel or what, you know, what the company's position is on something that's really controversial. Uh, and this is, this is just one additional thing that companies need to consider beyond the brand and reputational hit or, or benefit that they might get from taking that position. Right, right. I just like I said. I, I think this is we've created such a gray area that it's going to number one be impossible for businesses to win. And you know, like I said, the the Under Armour one. We've we've kind of talked about that a little bit. But Savannah and I were on a show a couple weeks back, and we're talking about Uber and you know, kind of how they got crushed in social media. Very similar mistake in the sense that. Um, you know, the CEO put out the tweet about, hey, hey we're not going to charge for the additional premium. And, and and he got excoriated because everybody saw that as opportunistic. But he actually he didn't put the tweet out till 30 minutes after the, 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 the taxi um, strike was supposed to have expired. So but but despite the facts, he still got crushed. And it's like trap trap. And that, that's kind of what I, like, I, I think makes me most uncomfortable is, is, you, is we're creating environments where there, it's, a, it's a lose-lose proposition for a brand. And the only thing you can do is to shut up. But that's kind of the point, right, is getting you to shut up so that in, in, abs, in absence of somebody talking, an agenda is now able to be free, it kind of has free reign to set the agenda because they've, they've suppressed speech and and terrorized businesses into hey you need to shut up so that we can come in and share our agenda which may or may not necessarily be of benefit to the american people right i i also think there's this predatory behavior going on with the news media and part of it is the 24-hour cycle and this focus on the the soundbite 
this all is part of the problem and we consume it. And so it, it will continue to be part of the problem if we continue to focus on this sensationalism and this kind of coverage and support this kind of behavior by the news media rather than what I'll call fair and even reporting, right? That gives brands a chance. But but look, it's here to stay. And the, twi- the Twitter world is going to react very quickly something that happens and, and it becomes viral very quickly. So we're not going to be able to unring this bell, no matter no matter if we said, okay, every reporter tomorrow is going to start acting in a manner that's a little more even keeled and not, not push people to take sides in a very polarized society. I think that brands are still going to have this problem and they're going to need to react very quickly and it, it's going to affect them. How they react and what they say is going to affect them positively or negatively um, in a short period of time. I mean, look what's happening with Trump and his daughter's own brand, right? Uh, people have very specific views about Ivanka Trump's relationship to a man that's very polarizing. And we can theorize about whether that affected her brand. But one can imagine that the whole family being thrown in the limelight when he started running for president has had an effect on her brand and was part of the calculus when Nordstrom's and Neiman Marcus decided that they weren't going to carry her brand anymore. Now, they can say, yeah, you know, it's because of flagging sales. Well, why are those sales trending downwards? Why are they flagging? And so... I think we can all agree there has been an effect on her brand as a result of the Trump campaign and the way that people view him and the way that the people view the family. Right. To to me, I think the only way to kind of neutralize this poison that we've got is for is to do exactly what you me, Savannah, and Vincenzo are doing, and that's to step up. I mean, I, I don't know if Mitch is still in the chat, but the the reason that I that 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 I thought to bring you on today was inspired by something that Mitch had said in a show that that I produced for one of his colleagues earlier in the week, Ken Hardison, and that was the the idea of newsjacking and lending your opinion in on topics of the day. And it's like you know, that's that's actually what it's going to take, I think, to really neutralize this. P- everyday people need to start standing up and stating stating their opinion. Now the consequence is is that you know you're sticking your neck out there and w- welcoming yourself to getting it chopped off, right? But all things being equal, we'll never know what the American opinion is on something, whether it's 50% or 90% or whatever, uh, unless we honestly hear the voices. But if we're shutting down dissent and using warfare tactics where we're shaming somebody and it's and to submitting to not talk so that we can advance our agenda, that, that, that's going down kind of a, a crazy train. So Rob, let's take that point back to corporate brands for a second, right? Because there are personal brands and then corporate brands. So Ivanka Trump has a personal and a corporate brand together. Right. Trump himself has personal and corporate brands. And in fact, he's admitted that most of the value of his brand comes from licensing that brand for hotels, for luxury resorts, golf courses, Trump wines, Trump steaks. Yeah, we talked about that on Cloudology Law. Right, right. You know, and and that's really the value of his brand. He's no longer the the real estate mogul he used to be 15, 20 years ago. He's now getting more value from his brand. 
we'll mm-hmm. see what happens uh, as his administration continues on. But so far, Trump Hotel in D.C. seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, so, you know, why why should we treat personal stepping up differently than corporate decisions to reach out and be part of the conversation? Why is it different? So when we talk about the Women's March in D.C., the day after inauguration, which, by the way, I was there and it was a lot of fun. And well, and, Sav- and Savannah and I actually streamed. In fact, I'm going to bring Savannah on uh, if, that, if that's what you guys are going to talk about. Obviously, not because I'm afraid of it, because I worked with Savannah and in, in live streaming it. But uh, but I think, you know, if 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 that's where we're going to go, I think Savannah is going to be more uh, more versed than me because she's directly uh, related to the Women's March stuff. Yeah, so it was an exciting time, Savannah, and there were lots of people and lots of causes that we were discussing and talking about and sharing on our posters, but it was a really enthusiastic, energizing event, and there wasn't one particular cause that it was focused on. But people still got along. I mean, even when there were causes in there that might seem to be a little far afield from the original purpose of the march, it had it had morphed into something bigger than any one cause. But it was about people showing up and getting out there and, and making their voice heard. So so that was a in mass response to a lot of different issues. And and so let's go back to the corporate side for a second. Why why should corporations not be having these conversations internally with their people, with their employees, talking about their values, sharing their values, and making sure that they're hiring and they're firing on values? I mean, some of the most brilliant information I've seen about brand development is from people who talk about hiring and firing based upon their brand and their values, right? Because if your if your people don't share your values then they aren't really your values and you're not building a company based upon those values. And it's not going to have that longevity that you would expect it to. So I'm a little concerned when we talk about brands not speaking out about their values, so long as whoever's speaking out is doing something that's consistent with those brand values and the company is ready to deal with the consequences. Yeah, absolutely. I I wholeheartedly concur with what you're saying. I think we're all a little spooked by the predatory nature of what's going on here and and truly the lack of vetting. I mean, to to your earlier point of fake news, you know, everyone's hungry for the next piece of meat in this kind of carnage. And and the reality is, and and, and I'm speaking for myself and for perhaps a few little, you know, I think we're all trying to... uh, make up for what happened during the election and the reality is attack under armor isn't going to fix it we're stuck with this no matter that's just that's just it and so i think if we're constantly putting your videos freezing for four years it's not going to work for anyone it's it's totally a loss it's it's a loss for for the individual for the consumer as well as sorry guys look at that little cutout Okay. Um, yeah, I just, just, yeah, I think I'm, I don't want anyone to feel like they can't say anything. That's so important, but just don't be ignorant. Your words have more power than anything else in your arsenal. You know, the pen is mightier than the sword. 
And mm-hmm. I think folks are just mm-hmm. forgetting that. And and I think as, as orators, as live streamers, I'm as an attorney too, we're all people where words are very pivotal to the, the minute details of our success, of our clients, of everything that we deal with. And, and I think it's just a very good reminder to everybody Hey, someone's always watching. Someone is always listening, and and for better or for worse. Oh, we lost you. Just have you still there? Your audio is flaking out. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, every once in a while, it just keeps. I'm here. Call in from. Okay. Ah. Well, so so one thing, Antigone, that you and I talked about earlier that I think is fascinating is, and I did actually reach out to somebody at Unarmored today, at least to invite them onto the show, and they, you know, they respectfully declined. Um, here's one thing that I find is fascinating is is that you've got multiple people that that are sponsors that are flaming Under Armour, but what you don't have is anybody as a everyday employee of Under Armour defending them, and. That makes sense, right? I mean, if you think about it, Steph Curry has nothing to lose with, with throwing Kevin Blank or Under Armour under the bus. Why? Because who's going to pick him up? Well, duh, Nike, right? <laughs> I mean, because it was just a few years back when he got the contract that that, that Nike and Under Armour were battling for it. And um, this was almost like, in my opinion, it could be very much a gift to Steph Curry because he's presented this question, right? It's like, an, in this case, unlike Plank, he's got a win-win proposition. Well, he knows that he's gonna get picked up by Nike by, by saying, oh, Trump's bad, because that's what the people wanna hear, particularly if you're in San Francisco, right? So he, he, he says, oh, well, you know what? I believe everything that uh, Plank said except for the uh, IT part. You know, in other words, Trump's an ass. So right. he, he gets the love of his local base, San Francisco, Plank or Under Armour says, "You know what? We're cutting bait and we're fired." Okay, and he gets and, he, and Nike picks him up. So for him, win-win. Under Armour employee, W two worker, nine to five desk desk job or whatever. How is it a win for them? You know, I mean. Well, we have to remember that a lot of companies that are are built on sophisticated brands have restrictions on their employees' public discussions about the company and activities and events and things like that. And so I think there's a not insignificant risk that, that anybody who is dealing with this from an internal perspective. Hold on. Who's, who's playing the playback? Anybody who's dealing with this from the in-house perspective knows that they're not supposed to be publicly stating anything about the company and its position and what's happening. That can be a violation of their employee agreement or some other agreement that they have with the company. So I don't know if that's the case here with Under Armour, but I, I suspect that in this kind of PR crisis, even if they don't have that kind of contract restriction, they are carefully managing internally the discussion and ensuring that whatever brand messages are coming out of the company, they are through official channels and they're sanctioned and vetted. Right. So, so that's kind of weird because, so you're telling me that you, you can, you can shut an employee up contractually through their employment agreement. Um, but Stefan Curry, that makes 30, 50, 1,000 times the income of maybe an everyday worker, 
has the luxury and freedom to not only get paid millions of dollars, but also has the luxury of saying whatever they want. That seems kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, but he's he's an outside, uh, well-known figure with his own uh, personality who's not directly employed by the company and has a, a contract with them as a brand ambassador. So it's it's not unusual if if companies do something that one of their brand ambassadors disagrees with, that they speak up because they have their own brand to protect. And so if they see a a company that has endorsed them doing something that they disagree with, or they believe that their fan base disagrees with, um, they, they often speak up and and take a different position and, and show disappointment. And likewise with the company, right? If, if a particular sports figure, let's think back to the last Olympics, uh, does something really silly and gets in trouble, you know, brands drop them like a hot potato and they say, we're not, we're no longer going to endorse you because your values and your persona and who you represent yourself to be to the public is inconsistent with our brand. So it goes both ways, right? The, the brand, uh, and endorsement divorce can happen based upon something that either side does that the other side disagrees with. And that's right. completely normal. It happens regularly. Well, Vincenzo, I know you're itching to, uh, uh, to, to weigh in. So what are your thoughts? Oh, uh, you know, in response to you, I think there's no chance to take me off the video. <laughs> okay. Um, I can't make eye contact over here. Um, there's no chance zero that their armor drops Steph Curry. I think there's an absolute it would be idiotic because that would be truly the death of them, right? Cutting cutting them, cutting him at this point for speaking up. Mm. Um, I think more realistically what happens is Under Armour shoots back and says like, you know, the, people, the, the athletes we sponsor are, are you know, free to have their own opinions, whatever, even if they're not in line with our CEO. Um, we're sponsoring them because of whatever reason, you know, whatever reason they're sponsoring them for. Right. Uh, you know, and I, w- I wouldn't even be surprised if Under Armour, hell, throws more money at Step Free at this point. <laughs> more that money? That would be a PR right uh-huh. for them to drop them. I, I don't see why that why, so why would you think that they would pay him more I'm, I'm saying in a contract like if a contract comes <clears> up <throat> he probably wouldn't take it right but I couldn't see Under Armour ever being like oh yeah we're not going to resign you now how, how bad mm. did they look at this point if the contract which I don't know what the details are I actually the know the details of the contract if we want to talk about oh, it oh well there you go what is it no we'll give you on Savannah so I don't know the, the specific dollar values uh, um, off cuff. Unfortunately, if I open up my laptop, it'll cross interfere with what we're doing here. But I do know that Steph's contract goes through 2024, and it includes an equity deal in addition to paid sponsorship. And I think that's interesting to point out because it shows that Steph is an investor in Under Armour. He's not just a, a face of the company, but he's actually a, a fiscal component in the operation as, as an equity stakeholder. And so therefore it, it can be argued that perhaps, well, on the outside, this is looking like some huge divisive thing. Steph probably felt he knew, you know, he, he, he's also saving the brand 
by showing that they disagree in a sense and saying, Hey, this isn't what I agree with. You know, I'm with Misty Copeland and the rock on, on both saying that I love Under Armour, but this particular statement doesn't align with my values. And I think, I think that's kind of a, an important differentiator. I think, I think there's a, it's, it's unique in the sense that they are not just paying him to wear shoes, but that he's an equity stakeholder, that he's very involved and uh, he's actually stuck up for Under Armour a lot in, in the face of media. I don't know if you remember when they thought his sneakers looked like old fart sneakers, but uh, <laughs> he really came to the defense of Under Armour. There's a cute story from back in June where him and his brother are rocking them and, and you know, basically giving the proverbial middle finger to, to the haters on, on the fashion side of things. And so I think, you know, I mean, it seems that Steph is very invested in the brand itself and in his representation thereof and actually has a mind about it. And, you know, he's, he's been the first to come to defend the company when they've been wrongly thrown under the bus, even if it's as silly as these sneakers are ugly. And on the flip side, you know, he was saying, wait a minute, there's fans of mine, there's fans of Under Armour, I'm sure here, who are a little less convinced about the benefit of our current president and chief, commander-in-chief. Uh, and I want to make sure that they know that that's not, that not every single human associated with Under Armour would have said the exact same statement. And that goes back to the comment that was made earlier where all brands, all, all you know, everyone in a, a brand should be able to have its own voice. The CEO, the CFO, anybody in, any executive in a brand should have their voice, right? Unfortunately, right now, that's not what's happening. People aren't allowed to have a voice because this is what, you know, now we're facing, you're, you're facing media backlash. You're, you're facing this, uh, I don't want to call it, I guess it's almost sabotage, right? And Savannah, I didn't hear the whole show. I'm driving through Pennsylvania at the moment, so uh, I don't have the greatest of reception everywhere. But You're doing great, sweetie. What's that? I said what's you're doing that? great. We can hear you, and you've been following along well, despite not hearing half of it. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, but I think, think there's a lot of things to think about, a lot of factors to think about if you're a brand right now. And, you could stick to your guns and you could go ahead and, and you know, go out guns blazing. Here's our opinion. And, and that's fine. I mean, I would support any brand that does that, that has their opinion and feels that they want to do whatever they want to do. That That's great. Um, but if I'm a shareholder in that brand or that company, I might be saying something different. I might be saying, mm, you know what, Mr. CEO, shut up. You guys drop, they drop what, 13, 13% or 13 bucks. Their shares drop as soon as something happens, right? It was some ridiculous amount. I mean, it's a very, it's a very interesting prospect that we're, we're and I feel like this isn't the last episode we're going to be dealing with this problem, right? We're going to be dealing with this quite often. Totally. I think you just brought up something interesting too, just looking at stock price. Um, Nordstrom also, despite taking sort of the opposite standpoint on this, their stock initially dropped as well when what? when they were pulled out by the president. It's since rebounded and, and it's leveled back out. But I think that's that is an interesting point. You know, what what are you taking in this last time when you when you value to the table when you bring your opinion to the table what are you actually holding in your hands in terms of the, the fiscal responsibility as the leader of a company it's a lot hmm. right. well, i think the thing is though too is is it's not just about this administration isn't just about republicans versus liberals though and i think that's why we're also seeing 
such a such an uprise and, and exaggeration when things like this happen is, is it feels like an assault on human rights. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, so we've and got I think that is leading to all this act. Well, we yeah. got so let's let's wrap it up because we're right at the at the one hour. But so let's kind of do a roundtable. So conclusions, Savannah, on uh, today's discussion. My conclusions on today's discussion are that it is more important than ever that we as voices of the Internet and frankly, as citizens of America, do our part to vet the content that is distributed to us to have an informed opinion and also to make it clear, even within our own homes and within our own businesses, what what our value sets are. And those value sets don't have to be political, but if you don't have a, a fundamental belief in human rights and, and in respect and certain liberties and freedoms for, for individuals, then that is something that is of relevance to your shareholders, whatever capacity that is. So my only hope is that enough folks tuned in so we get to keep having these dialogues and hopefully increasing the awareness and education of, of all of our collective communities. Okay. I like that. Um, you know, I, so Santigony, what are what are your thoughts? Well, I think particularly in this political divisive environment, companies need to be really careful about what they say and how they say it. Reporters need to be careful about how they report it. They need to be responsible with their reporting. And consumers also need to be educated about what they're consuming. And look at back at the real source. Start at the beginning, not the spin. Let's stop, let's stop getting upset about the spin. Let's go back to the source because the source tells us what the brand is saying and how they're saying it. Right. And so we have to play our own part in making sure that we stop this, this cycle of hyperbolic talk and make sure that we're doing right with the information we consume and, and having an appropriate reaction when it hits. Well, so what I like about that is earlier you'd made the comment about y- y- your your views being more aligned with Savannah's than perhaps mine and Vincenzo. But it's awesome to see that the one thing that we're definitely agreeing about is start with the hard facts, you know, go back to the source, do your research. Because, you know, what I observe news organizations doing in social media in general is, is having th- this much understanding of a subject twisting it, spinning it out there, like, you know, because the goal in social media is, is to get likes and hearts, not necessarily, you know, it certainly isn't going to change anybody's minds, right? Uh, when it comes to politics. Um, so my thoughts on it are that, that, you know, with live streaming, the way that we can kind of contain this terrorism, <laughs> journalistic terrorism is through building live stream communities. So in other words, what I mean by that is, you know, you and I, Antigone, have gotten to know each other in doing shows together. So I'm able to see you in a context because I work together. So you're now able to say something that might be stupid or inflammatory, but your safety net is the fact that I've got an investment in you in terms of time and context. So I'm going to let you pass. And I, th- I think Vincenzo and Savannah, and I talked about this a few weeks back, that that's kind of one of the benefits of traditional uh, social media, right? Traditional social media was people coming to a diner or hanging out on the porch of a general store. And so you got to know the depth and width of a person. And so you didn't judge them in, in little snackable 
media bites. You know, oh, well, this person supports th this politician. That politician's bad. So thus, because that politician's bad and, that, and, and this company likes that politician, thus they're bad. I mean, that's like, it's illogical, but that's ultimately how we're training people to think. And so, you know, what I'm excited about is, is that through live streaming and, and engaging with the audience, which I'm awful about, that's obviously Vincenzo's biggest skill. And, <laughs> and, he, and he's not here to deliver the skill. So on that, Jay, Jay Garrett's uh, in, the, in the chat says, interesting topic, guys. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Uh, Tara is also here. Uh, Mitch Jackson uh, said, uh, what did Mitch? Great conversation, everyone. Appreciate the intelligent discussion. Bottom line, hashtag words matter and leadership starts at the top. Make today yeah. your masterpiece. Have to run. Uh, Tara also says, so then, so then is the argument that the brand doesn't communicate its values and missions well to its employees or is it that large brands become separated from its values as time goes on? And Azim uh, says, love the show and the time schedule, which is right after dinner over here. So maybe, we, Vincenzo, we need to think about a, uh, For uh, sure. a relaunch. Sure. I'll, um, I just, I'm going to give my final thought Okay. In, in, you know, in relation to what everyone said. It's only fitting I'm on my way to visit my grandfather. He used to say to me all the time, he used to tell my brother and I, uh, and he used to tell my father, Measure three or four times before you cut once. <laughs> and, I think, right. um, and I'm sure that was from the Bible, measure twice, cut once. Uh, I'm sure that's where he got it from. But he used to tell us, measure four times before you cut once. Right. And so I think brand and any individual need to really take into consideration the speed of communication today. Not that if it was slower, you could screw up. But you really need to take into consideration how quickly your words will get out, right? Regardless. So if you're already thinking about, oh, well, PR, we can cover it up. It's likely already circulated the globe. And it's been, you know, remember the game of telephone? You tell people and by the time it gets to the end, it's like completely skewed. That's mm -hmm. what's happening. That's what's happening. And I love the point made where go to the source. You know, stop going to the third or fourth interview. But we really need to be educated. Brands need to be educated. They need to step back and say, wait a minute. We really need to think about, do we want to step into this crap storm that will come from saying this? Is it even worth saying this? Or right. you, you need to identify and say, we are going to go through with saying these things. And we're going to stand by them and stand by our customers. Our, but you know what? Brand, a lot of brands are operating and maybe they don't really know their customer. You know, it'd be interesting to know who the majority of Under Armour's customers are. Are they, are they, you know, which, which direction are they leaning? And that would have, that would have offset Plank's comments. You know, he wouldn't have opened his mouth if he knew that his entire customer base was in one direction, right? So. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to educate themselves at this point. And, and all I can say to those watching is educate yourself. It starts with you. You know, it starts within your own mind, your own home, your own community. If you don't educate those around you, yourself first and those around you, um, you know, this, this crap won't stop. It's going to continue. And, and, you know, I think we're in for a long, four, at least four years beyond of this type of conversation permeating Main Street. So it's not going to get any better unless we start with ourselves and do something about it.
Right. All right, Shav, I'm going to bring you back on camera so we can uh, close it out. Yes, I got a great closing quote, and I'm so glad, Vincenzo, you just set me up without even knowing it beautifully. Uh, so so I, I, I just want to say I think everything will be fine with Under Armour. They'll recover. I think we're a lot more reactive on social media than we are actually with our wallets right now across the board. I actually re-downloaded Uber. I'm going to be really honest about that. Um, <laughs> So looking back at Nike, perhaps the most controversial brand ever in terms of uh, sports apparel, boycotts, et cetera, when, when everything was going down in the mid-90s and Phil Knight kind of admitted that things were going wrong and started to reform things at Nike, it's actually a great case study to do further reading on if you're interested in this topic and watching the broadcast. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, the king at the time and, and the master of the Air Jordan, the most selling shoe ever in the history of the earth, uh, said something very apt. He said, Republicans buy sneakers too. Uh, does and that I sound think- familiar, Vincenzo? Uh, wait, we just said that exact same quote two weeks ago. That was awesome. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Remember yeah, that, V? Absolutely. <laughs> that exact quote. Perfect. So at least we know we, we both have a great source, both of us, uh, yep. and that, that he actually said it. And yep. and I think that's just relevant is, you know, everyone getting their panties in a bunch about all of this stuff doesn't really matter, right? We're going to buy the sneakers that we find comfortable. <laughs> and, and, and these brands are going to recover. And it's just a great opportunity and, and a great chance to have this dialogue to pass on the lessons learned from this particular incident. So thank yep. you guys both for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be on Brand Matters real treat. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that I, st- I say uh, thanks to uh, to Jay, Johnny Pappas is in here, um, Nazim, of course, Tara, Mitch Jackson, uh, Samantha Collier, Bob Schick, uh, Mike Sorrow. Um, I lost the, uh, sorry, I lost the uh, chat, but I do want to thank you guys for uh, for tuning in. Uh, Vincenzo and I are doing this two days late, uh, which I apologize for, but Vincenzo will def- definitely and I will talk about uh, what Nazim mentioned in terms of changing the hours. But I am sure. very, very appreciative that you guys tuned in today. And uh, we'll see you next week on another episode of, uh, of Brand Matters. Brand Thanks, Matters guys. Live. Brand Matters Live. <laughs> see you guys. Bye. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to brandboostcast.com forward slash subscribe.